but uh, again, it's uh, wonderful to be back. Uh, and Chris told me that Bobby would um, work my mic for me. I didn't have to mute it, and uh, that he would mute me when I needed to be muted. But I never trust people because uh, I like to sing the hymns if I can get further enough away from anyone. And I threatened one person sitting up in the sound booth. I said, if you ever let me sing through that microphone, I'm coming up in that booth and I'm going to kill you right there in the church. <laughs> and so they never did let me sing through the mic. And uh, so I'm going to trust that Bobby will not allow that to happen either. But, uh, but it is good to be back. It's always good to come home, as Sherry says. Uh, it's good to come home. And uh, it's hard to believe. I said that i was been a while, been gone 20 years. Uh, 30 years this June will be when I arrived here. And uh, it's just hard to, to believe that. But uh, again, good to see you. I'm glad to be here. Hope I get to visit with some of you back at lunch. And uh, I want to thank Chris again. For those of you who may not have been felt safe enough to come, I preached three years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, and of course we could not have uh, a lunch following, we just had worship, and so I said to Chris then, I said, okay, I came and I preached during the pandemic, but you have to invite me back when there's going to be lunch, uh, you know, because I know the great cooks that uh, is, uh, here at Pleasant Grove. Knowing that, I didn't have very chan- a very good chance to visit with very mean people, so I've already had a chance to do that some this morning, and uh, it's, uh, again, it's just good. All right, let us begin. Uh, I want to read to us as our scripture lesson this morning from Matthew, the 23rd chapter. I'll begin with verse 1 and read through verse 12. Hear now the reading of God's word as it is recorded here in these scriptures. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for men to see. They make their thalasteries wide and tassels of their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master. You are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have seen one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. But whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, hide me, hide me behind the cross, and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
Lewis Curtis, an author and Bible teacher, loves telling the story about a woman in Texas named May. May had invited some of her close friends over for lunch or dinner one evening, and as they arrived, the lady, the friend, had brought May as a hostess gift a pot of tulips. May didn't have very much of a green thumb, but she wanted to take care of those tulips because her good friend had given them to her. And so she set them outside when the weather was warm and then the weather got cool and she brought them back inside. She didn't particularly like the pot. The tulip bulbs were sticking up out of the dirt, but they were still blooming. And so she brought them back inside and she took very good care of this pot of tulips that her friend had brought to her. One evening, after that event, her son was home to visit, and he reached over and he touched one of the leaves and kind of rubbed it, the tulip leaves. And May happened to notice that he was rubbing the leaf, and she says, don't do that. It may cause the leaf to turn brown. You're touching the plant. And then he says to her, Mom, this plant isn't going to turn brown. This plant isn't real. It was a fake plant, but May had taken good care of it by watering it, taking it in, uh, taking it out when the sun was loud, bringing it back in. And if she'd known anything about tulips, I love tulips. It's one of my favorite plants, bulbs but they just don't last long enough for me. They come up and they sprout and they look pretty for just a short period of time and then they die, but the petals fall off. But she didn't know that. It was a fake plant that she had been taking such good care of. Sometimes that which is fake is more hardy than that which is real. Let me say that again. Sometimes that which is fake is more hardy than that which is real. We've heard a lot about fake news here of late, have we not? And news does seem in many ways to become fake. It seems like today's news reporters make the news that they want to report. Yes, these things are happening, but they kind of put their own twist and turn on it. Now, those of you who are my age or older, you younger folks will not know uh, this person, but those of you who are old enough to know will remember the news anchor by the name of Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite was named several times as the most trusted man in America. Because Walter reported the news as it happened and as it was, and not the way that Walter thought it should be. We live in a world where there seems to be a lot of fakeness, things that are not real. Most of you that were here will remember my son, Brandon. When Brandon was in college, just as internet was coming along and we began to do internet shopping, 
Brandon came to me one day, evening, and he said, Dad, he said, I have found a deal on some Izon shirts. He says, I can get five for $89. Now, that is a deal. I learned a lesson that evening. I ordered those shirts for Brandon. Brandon's real picky was and still is sometimes about his apparel. And so when it, the shirts came, they looked good. They were golf top shirts. And Brandon laid them out on his bed. And then he took a real eyes on shirt. And he says, look, Dad, the alligator on these fake shirts are smaller. And because they were smaller, Brandon would not wear those five shirts that I bought for him. So it was an $89 lesson for me to be careful what I ordered off of the Internet. I ended up donating the shirts. Whether it be fake news or fake items, a lot of fakeness in the world in which we live. Speaking of the fake Izon shirts, do you realize how much these fake products are costing the global market? In 2022, these fake items cost the global market $500 billion, that is with a B, $500 billion. Just this past week, a raid in Paulding County, Georgia, turned up 12,000 fake purses, belts, and the like, that if they were real, they would have had a market value of $11 million. That fake stuff is hurting our economy. Guess who leads the world in, ha- in developing and producing fake items? Did I hear you, Mayor? China. China is leading the world in all of these fake items that we see and that we have. Fakeness. Some people are always being deceptive. Billy Graham told the story once of a family who was going on vacation. This was back in the 50s when people didn't travel as much as we do and have the opportunity as we do today. And so this family from South Carolina, a small town in South Carolina, they were going to go to New York and they were going to go to a Broadway play, My Fair Lady. Again, they didn't have the Internet, obviously, in those days, so they had to wait till they got to New York to try and get their tickets, and when they got there, it was sold out. Oh, the family was so disappointed that one of the main reasons, one of the main things that they were going to do while in New York was to see My Fair Lady. So since they missed it, this is what they did. They hung around the theater as people came out and didn't want their tickets and dropped them on the ground, and they picked up six tickets, uh, four tickets uh, for the two kids and the parents, and they even were able to buy a program to pay it back, and they brought a record uh, so that they could uh, come back to South Carolina and say that they had gone to New York to see my fair lady, but they had not seen it. Some people just deceptive from the very beginning. 
And so Jesus has something to to say about this. Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for their fakeness. Jesus says in our scripture passage, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. One of the other ways that we say that sometimes is that one may not walk their talk. The Pharisees were not walking their talk, and Jesus comes down pretty hard on the Pharisees and criticizes the Pharisees pretty harshly for their behavior, for not walking the talk or for not practicing what they preach. Phylacteries are little leather boxes that was mentioned. It's not a word we use every day. They're little leather boxes that the Jewish men would wear on their forehead. Then these little boxes contained passages of Scripture. Wear them on their forehead or on their left arm. It was to remind them that they were to follow the law of God. To remind them when they went to worship and when they went to their time of prayer that they were to follow God's law. However, the scribes and the Pharisees were turning these little leather boxes into something that was more of a fashion statement. Look at me. Now, I know a lot of people wear them. I've worn them before, too, a a cross around their neck, a small cross. But sometimes you see these people that wear a cross that looks like that they would weigh 20 pounds. Uh, They want the whole world to really be able to see the cross, and that's fine. But once you put on the cross, I think, then we need to be ready to always fulfill the behavior that that cross should represent in our lives. Some people put bumper stickers on their car. My God is alive. Sorry about yours. Some people's religion, uh, their faith, is more about trying to let the world know how good they are, but they may not always live it out. I know a lot of people have just the symbol of the fish on the back of their vehicle. I've never done that, and there's a reason. I may do something when I'm driving a vehicle that would not represent what Christ would want me to represent. And therefore, I don't want the world, I don't want to be a bad witness if that should happen. And so therefore, I don't put those kinds of things on my vehicle, bumper stickers, the sign of the fish. Because when you do that, my friends, we really need to live. We need to live it. We need to practice what we preach. We need to walk our talk as Jesus tells us to. But we're all human beings and there are times when it just doesn't happen. And so the contemporary Christians not to do this. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that some people 
like to wear their religion on their sleeves, if you will. Jesus is saying that not everyone who puts a bumper sticker or wear a cross around their neck are authentic Christian people. And that is what he is a warning the people about. It is what he's a warning the disciples about. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have ever done something that you ought not to have done. Oh, times when you've been dishonest, times when you have been, been uh, maybe a little fakey in your uh, religion or in your Christianity, uh, that, um, that you've not always done what you should do. It's like a young man, uh, graduated from college, he got a job in an investment company, got married. He and his wife, they were about to have their first child. And almost every day, when the time got closer for the child to be born, people, when he came into the office, says, how's things going? How's your wife doing today? How's she coming along? Is she doing well? They acted so much like they cared about what was going on until he learned that the folks in his group that he worked with had had a pool in the office and they were waging bets on what day the child would be born. It wasn't that they cared about him and his wife. It was about whether or not they were going to win the bet pool in the office. Authenticity is important when we begin to live our lives for Christ. What all may be, we all may be a little hypocritical at that at times. I attended Reinhardt College, some of you may remember that, in the small town up in North Georgia, a little bit east of here, uh, in the little town of Wallaska. Not much to Wallaska other than the college being there. Reminds me, and I chuckle when I think about it, that a small college, a town like Reinhardt, or up in Cleveland, Georgia, uh, where Truett McConnell is, and uh, my wife went to Truett McConnell, as did Kevin and Lori Roberts, and uh, so some of the others you know, you know of Truett. And so, uh, but in that town, there was a tavern there. And so Parents Weekend came along. And the tavern in town ran an ad in the paper and said, bring your parents here for lunch. We'll pretend we don't know you. The college chaplain saw that ad in the paper, and so he ran an ad to counter that. And he says, on Sunday morning, bring your parents to church. We'll pretend that we do know you. Sometimes we're not very authentic. Appearances versus authenticity is a new is not a new idea. It's something that's been going on for years. Appearance don't always come across. People don't always come across like we think. 
you recall a few years back, it's been probably about 10 years now, uh, some things you could tell, but some things were more difficult to tell. Uh, for instance, uh, flour and meal and sugar uh, that came in five-pound bags. You remember when they, instead of going up on the price, they came down on the product? I remember walking to the grocery store, and I picked up a, what I thought was a five-pound bag of sugar, and I thought, that, that doesn't feel like it used to. And I looked down at the package and noticed that it was only four pounds, but it was packed tight. But some other things, you couldn't tell as much. Cereal, washing detergents, and this kind of thing, they continued to put them in the same kind of box. They just didn't put as much product in them. For instance, a 62 box of washing powder came down to 54 ounces, from 62 to 54, just a few ounces shorter, but enough that they didn't have to raise the price. They came down on the product. How something is wrapped doesn't always tell you what's on the inside. And the same is true with us as Christians. Doesn't tell. We can say we're Christian. And we can look like we're Christian. But God looks as our heart as the Bible tells us. It's what's on the inside, Jesus says in another passage of Scripture. Not on the outside. It's what on, on the inside that would defile you. And so, therefore, we need to be true to our Christianity and true to our discipleships. Pharisees came to Jesus that he criticized, went into the appearances rather than authenticity. Jesus was concerned about what's in the heart and not what's on the outside. Chuck Swindoll, he's been a seminary professor, a Bible teacher, a pastor, radio preacher. He's now 89. He's pretty much stopped all that. He's finally retired from most of what he does. But Chuck Swindoll tells the story uh, that of a man that he said had a great influence on his life and the lives of others. It was an evangelist named Dawson Troutman. Dawson Troutman uh, was an evangelist of a generation past. Began uh, his uh, evangelism work, and he later, uh, in 1933, uh, he started a group of discipleship making, uh, a program to make disciples uh, in 1933 called the Navigators. They're still out there. They've had five other pres four other presidents since him. But the navigators are still out there training other people how to win others to Jesus Christ. Chuck Swindoll says that one of the reasons that Dawson Troutman had such an effect on him and other people was that he walked his talk. He practiced what he preached, unlike the Pharisees. He practiced what he preached. He died in June the 18th, 1956, doing something that he was pretty good at most of the time. Two young girls had gotten in trouble water skiing in Sacroon Lake, New York. 
Dawson went in to rescue those two girls. Excellent swimmer. He went in and he lifted one girl up to safety. Went back in, he got the other girl, he lifted her to safety. But he had, in the process, had become exhausted. And he went under only to be found a few hours later when they dragnet the lake and was able to recover his body. Time Magazine did an article on Dawson Troutman. And Time Magazine says, shows a picture of Troutman. And under that was the caption, Dawson Troutman always holding people up. Dawson Troutman always holding people up. Is that not what we're called to do? To hold people up? To live out what we say that we believe? Dawson Troutman was willing to give his life to save those two young girls. Fake news? No. We've been talking about our Christianity today. Pride or position was more important to the Pharisees than it was serving people. But for Dawson and many other people, they have served others. Appearance were not most important to them, but authenticity was what was important. Jesus was concerned about what was in the heart and not what is on the outside. Something about the way we live our lives is what is important to others. Mary Helen Spites was my backdoor neighbor for six years here in Dalton. Mary Helen would have been back in the fellowship hall this morning buzzing around, helping to get things ready for the meal following church. Not for a fanfare, but because of our authenticity in her faith and what she did to serve others. Bonnie Salone, good country cook. I put my feet under that table a few times when I was here and always had a good feel. Came out with probably more food in my stomach than I should have, but it was always so good to eat. Eric Edmonds lived in Chattanooga but come to take care of his mom, Nancy. Sarah was just a child when I came to Pleasant Grove. But I remember she and Brandon, my son, sitting up in the balcony at one of our revivals together. Donna Douglas taught Sunday school here and always... uh, so kind and gentle. Remember visiting their home several times when Brad had his awful accident and the love and the care that she was giving to him and that she continued to give. Tom Sosby kept my small engines going. When my lawnmower quit running, I'd carry it over to Tom and he'd get it going again. Marie Jordan came to help with 
Ben, I know when he was born, and I was around some, as grandmamas would, but always seems to be caring and caring for others. These are saints of our church that are no longer with us, but we remember them warmly this morning because they were people who trusted Jesus Christ. They were people who didn't put on a show. They were who they were. They were children of God, and they showed that in the way that they lived their lives. The most effective witness we can make of our faith in Jesus Christ is simply to live out what we say we believe. Jesus warned the disciples and others who were in earshot of him that day, and he warns us to practice what we preach, to practice what we say that we believe in, to practice serving other people, to be his servants. Practice what we preach. My friends, one day our names will be read, May it be said of us that we were people who practiced, who lived the life that we said following Jesus Christ, that we are his followers. This is offered in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.